You are listening to College Success Habits with Jesse Mogul, episode 112. Let's get to the show. Oh, this show's the best. The best show. Best show. Best show ever. Welcome to the College Success Habits Podcast. Do you want to triumph through school and have a little fun along the way? Learn habits to help you attain better productivity and hacks to help you slide through classes at any age. Here's your host, college circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and as always, it is an honor and privilege to have you here. Welcome back, my friends. Ah, here comes fall. It is officially September 1st, unless you're listening to this in the archives, and then it's whatever date it might be. But for me today, right now, it is September 1st, 2021. And for me, I just think of September as the beginning of fall, even though I know the equinox is about three weeks away. Still, college football season starts on Saturday, and that, um, for me, is a big key indicator that the fall is here upon us. So therefore, the semesters or your terms are definitely, I would imagine you're all back in school now. Hopefully you're on campus if that's something that your state's allowing and it, uh, you're being safe and doing whatever they desire from you so that you're able to stay in uh, on campus meeting in person. Because I know that the way that that feels within the college experience is completely different than online. And it was funny whenever this whole thing started, um, people were saying that how the college experience was going to massively change and how colleges were going to be seeking ways to shift to more online experience. And I debated that from the get-go, saying that basically the whole enjoyment of college experience comes from being on campus and being around people and just learning from new people and, and experiencing their cultures and their histories and, and just the whole community makes college what it is. And I think we've seen very apparently that people wanted back on campus and they wanted that community experience. And so you have it. And so embrace it and really have gratitude for it being available to you. Because you know what it's like to not have it available to you and what it's like to be taking all of your classes, you know, at your parents' home or in your apartment and not being able to go see everybody. So certainly I would I would hope for everyone out there that there is a renewed sense of gratitude for the college experience and what this can provide to you. And when you get back into these big groups of people, when you're back in your fraternity, sorority house, and you're back in the dorms, when you're just on campus regularly, all of a sudden we get back into this group think where now it's not just you at home deciding what it is that you're going to do. It is you around a lot of people deciding that what you're going to do. And at this 18 to 25 range of life, you're at a very precarious situation because this is really when your brain begins to develop a lot of its, what I like to call the super mature habits. Um, I know most people are just like, ah, it's just the brain developing and determining how to be more rational with its thought. And I'm like, okay, that's great, Mr. Science Man. But the way I see it is that we begin to have these like super mature behaviors where we can start to delay gratification, where we can start to think more rationally, where we can begin to make plans, put things in the calendar, get things done at a 
very well paced out time. We we learning to pay bills and what it means to be going to the grocery store for yourself so that there's food in the fridge three days later when you're hungry and you're not ordering out all the time. That a lot of these habits were developed uh, for you by your parents when you were back at home. So you didn't necessarily have to worry about was the utilities getting paid? Was the cell phone getting paid on time? Was there always going to be groceries in the fridge? When you go out on your own, all of a sudden, these are responsibilities that are left up to you. That's why I call them the super mature habits, because not everybody will step into them at the same time. And you will certainly notice your friends who live in a pigsty, who constantly have an empty fridge, versus perhaps you, who has a super clean home and has food in the fridge. Or maybe it's the other way around, and your friends are the clean ones with food in the fridge, and you're the one who's starving, uh, living in what amounts to you know semi-dumpster kind of situation. So today's theme is going to be talking about immediate gratification, because it's something that you won't inherently have this impulse control, this ability to push off this gratification, this reward in favor of a bigger, brighter, better reward later, right? It reminds me when I look back at my first uh, college, Ball State University, there was pizza nights on Tuesdays where like the, the local Papa John's or Domino's would run like a $5 pizza special and just how exciting that seemed at that age in life to be able to order your own $5 pizza and just sit there in your dorm with everybody else who's eating $5 pizza and you're just stuffing your face with pizza. There's like, you know, 15 people sitting around. We all have your own pizza and maybe you're studying, maybe we're watching a movie. Uh, maybe we're actually nipping a little vodka out of a coffee cup so the RA doesn't know whatever it might've ended up being. And just looking back at it, I remember there being a point where somebody would want to order pizza on like a Saturday or Sunday night. And I was like, but it's $5 pizzas on Tuesday. And I didn't realize then how important being able to push off that gratification of the pizza just a few days was actually building up a a resilience center in my brain that said, but it's $12 today on Sunday, but it's $5 on Tuesday. Like just wait two more days and you save seven bucks. And in college, seven bucks can be a lot. (laughs) At least back then, you know, uh, maybe everybody has jobs now. I don't know. Is that whole poor college student uh, storyline that seemed to be running for so long, is that still relevant in a, in a day and age when there's so many jobs available and you can even be making money on the internet? I don't know. Point being is that I look back at my ability to delay gratification throughout my childhood. And there was something to me about the anticipation of a reward, the anticipation of a, of a gift the anticipation of an event that really it's I hesitate to say that it meant more to me the anticipation of it what I often found is that when I would get to the event when I would get to the delicious meal when I would get to the dessert that while it was great to be enjoying it at the time this anticipation I had for it just seemed so enjoyable to the point where I would be the last one to open opening up Christmas presents on Christmas morning. Even as a child, I would sit there and stash them. So the whole family would be done and I'd still have like four, five, six presents left. 
especially the big ones. If my mom was like, oh my God, you're going to love that one. You should open it now. I was like, oh no, we're going to keep that one for another hour then. Uh, my mom once bought me a, a magazine subscription to, a, a, it was called Beckett. And back in the day, I collected a lot of baseball, football, basketball, hockey cards when I was a kid. And she had, she was like, I bought you a birthday present, but it's something that you, you'll be getting from now for like the next two years. Do you want to know what it is? And I was like, no, no, I want anticipation. Don't tell me what it is. Wait till I ask. And then like a whole year passes and mom's like, I never told you about that gift. Do you want to know what it is now? And I'm like, oh, it's been a whole year. I was like, well, how's that working out for me? She's like, you've been getting it this whole time. Have you not noticed? And I've, I have no idea what you're talking about. She's like, I renewed your Beckett subscriptions for all four, baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. And you've been receiving them consistently for a year. Have you not noticed you didn't have to renew them and pay for them yourself? I was like, I did not notice that. And I thank you for that. And I just, and I know this might seem like a ridiculous story and maybe you're not even putting it all together. But for me, not knowing about that gift and to just receiving those magazines, it seemed cooler. Once I knew about it, I was like, oh, well, that's that's awesome that you did that. And I didn't notice that I was getting these magazines for what I had assumed. I don't even know if I knew that they were being renewed as much as I don't even know if I ever knew how long I had gotten them for. But I was fine not knowing. And even when she told me, I still enjoyed them, mind you. I was still enjoying the fact that I got them every single month. But it just goes back and it reminds me of how even as a child, mom would be like, okay, well, when do you want ice cream? And I'd be like, well, let's do it after the football game or let's do it during halftime. There was this sense of delayed gratification because I enjoy the anticipation so much. Now, let's start to connect some dots for you. How are you delaying gratification in your life so that you can enjoy the anticipation? And perhaps you're not an anticipation kind of person. Perhaps you are that immediate gratification where the, the moment you think of M&Ms, you want to go get M&Ms. The moment you think of a beer, you want to go reach for the beer. When you think of pizza, you don't care if it's $12 today or $5 in three days. You want pizza and you want pizza now. <laughs> and, and I get it. I'm listening to the book called The Willpower Instinct, and it's talking about how the brain wasn't necessarily created to delay gratification, that the brain was was constructed at the very Neanderthal caveman type days to seek out that immediate gratification, mostly around food. If you knew that there was a saber-toothed cat or a woolly mammoth nearby and you hadn't eaten meat in two weeks, it wasn't like, well, I'm trying to lose some weight around the belly. I think I'll wait to get that saber-toothed cat till I reach the right body fat percentage. It was kill the damn animal because we're all starving inside this cold, damp cave. So as our brains developed, especially around food, it was immediate gratification. This idea of a future reward made no sense to it when the future was so uncertain because we weren't we weren't really sure that we would have another opportunity for food. Warmth was very difficult to come by. Fire wasn't necessarily, you know, we didn't have matches and, and, and kindling and, you know, charcoal around. It was it's a very much more you know, primordial existence. But we spent so long there. And if you really think about the Industrial Revolution starting at the, in the early 19, late 1800s, early 1900s, but 
let's just fast forward to after World War II when the when our factory machine system was so hyper-developed for World War II, we came out of that with all of these factories that had been pumping out planes and tanks and, and jeeps and guns and bullets that we had our factory system perfectly just humming along. Learning from Henry Ford and his factory system of being able to have an assembly line allowed us to create weapons at a level never seen before on this planet in order to defeat someone who was looking to completely change the planet in a way that we couldn't even have fathomed 50, let alone, you know, 100, 100, 200 years ago with what Hitler's ideas were and what he was able to accomplish because of his industrial complex. So thank you very much for sitting through my little uh, industrial revolution uh, summary for you. So you show up in the, in the mid-40s with this industrial system that we had built. And all of a sudden, we can pump out product after product after product, and things become a lot more instantaneous for us. You start to see the microwave developed and the television really take off. And now all of a sudden, you can have things more at your immediate fingertips we're not waiting for the wheat to harvest to have bread. It's there. We you know, Let's accelerate through the 50s. Now you get into the 60s, and it's just like a consumer culture takes over. The 80s just exploded through the roof when video games and more and more and more of this immediate gratification. All of a sudden, there's cable television and 57 channels and nothing on, and we get into the 90s, and it's like we, we start to have little slivers of tastes of the Internet. And before you know it, you know, you really have the Internet starting to, to seize hold in the early 2000s. And by the time Facebook comes out, there's this there's like, almost like a lust for connection and community that can be had outside of your immediate vicinity. Facebook is developed. Here comes a smartphone in 2010, and nothing has been the same since. And when you break down the timeline the way I've just described it, right, all of a sudden 1945 to 2021 doesn't seem that long. I mean, albeit 56, 76 years. You look how fast 76 years of technological progress has brought us. And so now, this ability to have this, um, this impulse control to delay gratification so we don't have it instantly, it, it, it's, it's almost impossible because it's so much around us. You want to know something, you can Google it. You want to um, have something that you can't find in the store, Amazon will have it to you within 48 hours. You know, every city's got 15 Starbucks on the corners, and there's Targets, and there's Sam's Clubs, and there's Costco's, and there's Super Centers, and there's, there's pretty much nothing that you can't learn, find, have, as long as you can afford it. And hell, if you can't, there's always a credit card. So let's connect some more dots. When you find yourself in college and all of a sudden perhaps you weren't allowed a certain amount of freedom in your high school years, and now all of a sudden, boom, you got a little cash in your pocket, you don't have parental supervision all the time, pretty much get to decide what you're going to do anytime you want to do it. It can be mean not going to class very often. It can mean sitting in the library for 15 hours. It's all based on what you believe is giving you the gratification in the moments. 
When you see somebody studying, 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 that's a person who's really learned to delay gratification. Because obviously, watching some television or going to the bar, hanging out with friends, would more than likely be a much more enjoyable experience than holding themselves up in the library. But as soon as we started to bring college degrees, as soon as we started to think about 401k plans and savings accounts, all of a sudden, the human brain had to move from this primitive reward system, give it to me now, where now we're starting to really develop that prefrontal cortex, which is the part of your brain that uses rational thinking. It's the part that cools off the primitive reward system and says, you know what, if we can just stay here studying for a little bit more, we're going to get a really amazing reward later. Yes, we can give the reward of hanging out with our friends and having a few beers right now. But wow, what about the reward of getting an A in this class and then being able to party for that? Or what about the reward of having this college degree and the job that that will provide me? This immediate reward that we think of, it's, it's the difference between what you think you can accomplish now and then moving and shifting your brain to thinking about future rewards. You have the immediate. Right now I'm a little thirsty, so I'm going to pause the podcast. I'm going to drink a little coffee. And now I'm back, and I had a little coffee, and I had a little bit of water. And that was me seeking out an immediate reward to quench my thirst so that my voice wouldn't start to dissipate. When I think about the future reward of shooting this podcast and what will happen as I continue through the show, the future reward is that I get to publish another episode. I get to continue to build up the College Success Habits podcast. People will realize that this show is going to be around for a long time. They'll find it. They'll gravitate toward it. They'll learn from it. I'll do another two, three, four hundred episodes. Eventually, the book and the podcast and everything I'm building around the College Success Habits brand will allow me to go to colleges and universities and, and talk about and teach this stuff to you in person, which will allow me to affect more young adults in their emotional intelligence and, and learning new ways of handling their emotions and building up their mental acuity so that they can accomplish the things that they desire in life. And they don't have to wake up as a 40-year-old addict who has to check themselves into outpatient rehab, <laughs> right? Like I had some faults in, in my, I had some chinks in my armor. I wouldn't call them faults. It was just a different way of seeing things in my 20s. If you're listening to this podcast, clearly you already desire a, a way of learning new behaviors and thinking new things. And when you learn these new behaviors and you think these new things, oftentimes the reward is not immediate. I do attempt to give you immediate rewards by providing action st- st- statements, by providing action steps that can put you into a a phase of your life that is more, let's do something now about it, knowing that as we build on these tiny little habits, a new, better version of ourselves, a more empowered sense of self is waiting for us at the end of this tunnel. This is great and all. But if I was just looking for immediate rewards and I was like, okay, then I'm looking for likes on Instagram. Or I'm looking for people who download the podcast. And what if what if a couple thousand people don't not download the podcast within the first 72 hours? Now, all of a sudden, what? The, the podcast isn't worth it anymore, right? So then, then I start to fall off. I don't, I don't produce episodes as often. And then the, the listenership falls off even more because there's a lack of consistency. And so if I just looked at this podcast for immediate rewards, how is this going to pay me off now? And I would never have made it past 10. 
I don't make any money off of this podcast. I don't have anybody who sponsors it. It's not like Podbean's paying me. I literally do this for free. I have gotten some clients from people who've listened to the show and called me up. And so that's been a way, but that again was a future reward. And then didn't even really start offering coaching up until we got to like episode 80 or 90. So up for the first 80 or 90 episodes, other than just knowing that people were learning from it, they would DM me from time to time, say, hey, thank you so much for this one topic. It really changed my perspective. And now I'm operating at a whole new wavelength. Other than those messages, there was no other reward. And those messages weren't exactly pouring in the first year. So I had to delay gratification of what I could have been doing now in favor of doing the podcast in order to have a reward later. And this is what you doing your term papers. This is what studying is going to provide for you. Yes, you may not see the immediate reward now of reading the next 20 pages in the book, but you definitely will get that reward when you get an A on the test. Pushing past your immediate reward center and thinking more around the future rewards is going to be a life changing development for you, especially around alcohol and partying and being around your friends. The immediate gratification of being intoxicated over sitting in the uncomfortableness of your emotions, of dealing with a breakup or dealing with a bad grade or dealing with a communication breakdown between you and your parents or your roommate, sitting in that uncomfortability and working through it, that's delaying gratification because it doesn't feel great in the moment, but it will absolutely feel great once you've achieved a communicative connectiveness with someone when there was previously a breakdown in that communication. But if you turn to the bottle, if you turn to drugs, if you turn to food, you turn to Netflix, the phone, and you try to just buffer it away, you try to push away any actionable step in that moment, what you're doing is you're just delaying the inevitable. You still have to have the conversation. Now you just get to build up anxiety and stress in the back of your mind about the conversation. You get to make up multiple ways the conversation could go, you know, adding in what you think the person will stay, say rather than just having the conversation with them and hearing what they say. And now the anxiety and the stress start to increase and increase and increase. Your desire to have that conversation becomes less and less and less. And you just keep finding other ways to immediately reward yourself to make up for the anxiety, stress, guilt, whatever it is you feel You've got to make up for it somehow. Next thing you know, you're drinking more, you're eating more, you're buffering away on the phone more. And before you know it, you've created this habit system inside of yourself that says, why deal with something now when I can instead just tap on my phone and sit here and mindlessly eat cookies? That's much feels better in the moment, but it's not solving an issue that will eventually have to be resolved. That's the main crux of this whole topic. No matter what you push off, eventually it has to be resolved. Even if the argument just dissipates and goes into nothingness and you never really resolve and close that conversation loop, it's still going to exist. The problem still is there. You didn't resolve it, so it's only a matter of time before it resurfaces. When you think about the brain, you have this prefrontal cortex that its job is to cool off this immediate reward center. Right, that's that, that that's the emotional part of the brain. That's where the amygdala is. And it says, No, I'm not happy and I need to be happy now. So happiness is cookies, happiness is beer, happiness is numbing myself from this pain. I'm going to seek that. And if you do that day in and day out, then you find yourself in addictive behaviors. 
And what started off as a couple beers once in a while becomes beers every day, becomes shots every night, becomes drugs, becomes overeating. And next thing you know, you've got 5, 10, 15, 20 years of addictive behavior that has been hardwired into you. And now you're in your 30s or your 40s and you have to deal with that or watch it just continue to destroy your life. Now, I'm not trying to sound an alarm or be all doomsdayer, but I'm telling you, this is how we go from being, you know, tops in my class in high school, being seen as someone with a ton of potential who's going to go off and do great things, to basically just being mired in mediocrity for 20 years until I finally pulled my head out of my tookish and said, you know what? I've tried to change everything else. Maybe it's alcohol. Alcohol is the one thing I've been trying to manage rather than just releasing. Maybe if I just released it and said no more of it ever, things will actually change. And guess what? They did. Everything changed when I released alcohol. When I released the immediate gratification of the numbingness that alcohol provided, all of a sudden... My willpower instinct took over. My ability to delay gratification, which I had enjoyed all throughout my childhood. Opening presents last. Not wanting to know about surprises. The anticipation of getting on the roller coaster always seemed so much more exciting than actually being on the roller coaster. Because once I was on the roller coaster, it was only a matter of time before the roller coaster ended. And now I'm walking out of the roller coaster and I'm like, yeah, that was an amazing experience, but it lasted two minutes. The anticipation of that roller coaster was awesome. I go to Six Flags Magic Mountain here in California because it's not too far away from where I live. And when there's no lines, there's no anticipation. You literally just walk right up and you've got five or ten minutes, but you're literally standing there watching the roller coaster roll out. And while it's awesome to know I've only got ten minutes between me and the roller coaster, knowing that there's not as much anticipation, the excitement doesn't have an opportunity to build up. So you ride the roller coaster. It's super exciting, yes. And then I'm on to the next roller coaster. So ten minutes later, I'm riding another one and you're just roller coaster hopping and while that is awesome to not stand in lines and I strategically go to the amusement park to not stand in lines I do notice that if I just stop outside the roller coaster and watch it go around for 10 15 20 minutes and listen to the people screaming it begins to build up that anticipation in me my brain gets more wired on the emotional side of what I'm getting ready to experience and then when I finally get into line and walk straight up to the front and I'm sitting in the front row because I've allowed myself that anticipation because I've literally taken in and been present in the moment and said, I can't wait to experience this. How grateful am I that I didn't have to wait in a line? How much gratitude do I have that an amusement park is less than a 10-minute drive from my home? Once I have really embraced that, the experience of the roller coaster is so much more. I really, really seek for you to develop a way to understand that if you continuously seek out those immediate rewards, while it feels great in the moment, long term, what that tells yourself is that if you can't have it now, it's not worth waiting for. And it is. So much in life is worth waiting for. So many things in life that you desire that are truly, truly those, those humongous epicenter of your life kind of moments are the ones you have to wait for. No offense to people out there who are multimillionaires, but being able to go anywhere, anytime, buy anything you want, there's a reason why money doesn't buy you happiness. Because 
you still have emotional issues, you still have mental issues and spiritual issues and physical issues like any other human. You just now have tons of money. And money doesn't buy happiness. It does provide more opportunity, but it does not buy happiness. Happiness comes from within. And when you can buy anything you want, now all of a sudden, all this external happiness that you thought, you're like, oh, I'd be so happy. I'd have all the cars and all the houses. But there's no, there's no limit to what you can buy. So when you can buy anything, then the excitement of being able to buy it all of a sudden is gone because there was no work for it. You've got $100 million. Buying a Lamborghini doesn't bother you. Well, it's a couple hundred thousand dollars. It doesn't even affect your bottom line. This is why you have to seek happiness from within. No matter how much money you have, you can, great, you can own anything you want, but then the excitement of owning things loses its pleasure. When you have to save up for months to be able to afford that new iPhone or that new gaming system or that new gaming chair, or, you know, whenever you don't just get to have all the money that you want, so you have to save up for a week of working shifts in order to take out your partner to a fancy meal. When you have to save up for that, then you put in the hard work, you put in the effort, and the anticipation begins to grow and grow and grow. Learn to embrace the anticipation now. So that later on in your life, when you do have more financial means, you can still find happiness in the fact that you had to work toward that goal. Getting an A in that class is going to take months. And each day, you do something toward that goal. And then one day, you find yourself at the end, and all that hard work is paid off, and there's your A. Each day, you had opportunities for instant gratification. Did you take them or did you delay that gratification for a bigger, better, brighter reward at the end? Ask yourself right now, am I delaying gratification in my life in a way that's benefiting me or am I taking the easy way out? If you can just push off the reward, the desire for the beer, the desire to turn on the television, the desire to turn on your phone for 10 minutes, allow your brain just a 10-minute buffer between the immediate reward and, and, and this exact moment. And see if the desire for that reward begins to dissipate, begins to fall off. The longer you can begin to shift the weight, the more you train your brain to realize it's better to delay the gratification because the reward at the end is even better and brighter and bigger. The brain doesn't know the difference between uh, 10 minutes and 10 days. You might think it does because you understand time, but to the brain, the way that synopsis fire, the way that the brain moves as quickly as it does, if you can delay it 10 minutes, it might as well have been 10 days to that old caveman brain. And once you've given it that 10-minute window, it allows itself to say, the prefrontal cortex can step in and say, you know what, I know you want the beer now, but if we just go to the library for two hours and get this studying done, then there goes the stress and anxiety about the assignment. And now we can be focused on enjoying ourselves after. And that's the anticipation I see. I'm not saying I, I do not, by any stretch of the imagination, promote underage drinking. That is not what this show is about. <laughs> I am also realizing that everybody does their own thing, and I'm not, I'm not saying nothing about that. Legally, I have to say I am not promoting underage drinking. What I am promoting is that you delay any kind of immediate gratification for this ability to push that off, to do what you need to do now so that you can have that big reward at the end. And when you begin to really master this, you step into your highest sense of self. I'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. Oh, wait. Inclusivity over exclusivity. The power of positive energy. Release and flow. Now you guys can have a good day. Bye-bye. 
Thank you.